Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Okay, last week, when I, or a couple weeks ago, I think, when I spoke, I, I showed you some pictures of my family and my children, my grandchildren. Today, I want to go kind of in the other direction, show a picture of my parents. So if I think we've got that, this is my mom and my dad. My dad is 90 years old. My mom is, uh, she's going to be 87 real quick. My dad used to work with the Gideons. You know, they give out those little New Testaments. He would go to the county fair and he would tell people, he would tell people, hey, did you get your GPS? And people looking at him like, what? You know, they'd set up one of these stands next to the water filter people and the vacation plan people, everybody trying to, you know, sell, you know, whatever their product is. And he'd have the Gideon new to, hey, did you get your GPS? And if you look twice, he's gotcha. GPS, he'd say, God's plan of salvation. Here, have a testament. And my mom, she was the first one to come to the Lord. And I remember her praying, you know, she, I think she prayed me into the kingdom. And then she, she told me one time, don't you ever compromise the call of God. I don't know if she knew what that would mean. You know, but I know she's prayed for us, you know, many, many times. And, you know, I don't know if she knew the times that there would be a prayer we have the missionary prayer of, especially like if we're going into a country and we're taking all kinds of things, maybe Bibles or other equipment, and we pray, Lord, you who opened the eyes of the, see of the blind, now close the eyes of the seeing so they won't see us. You know, that's kind of our prayer, you know, close, you know, so what I prayed for the people in the Ukraine as well, blind the eyes of those that would try to do them harm. You know, keep us, from, keep us from evil. That's one of the prayers that we do. You know, so I did want to share a little bit about my parents and just kind of, you know, that, that legacy. And maybe you're looking at that like my parents have been, have been married now for 68 years. Married. Of course, they started real young. And maybe you're looking at that and, you, and you're thinking, you know, my, my parents weren't like that. I don't have that kind of a legacy. Well, you can start right now and then your children, your grandchildren can do what I'm doing 30 years, 40 years, 60 years from now. They'll be bragging about you. You put a stop to the, the, the previous and start a new generation. Amen? Let's get into the Word. We're here between, kind of between Easter and Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is going to be June 5th. We're going to have a big parade of nations that day as well. But Acts 1-3 talks about how Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering with many proofs. You know, so he was alive and he was there for 40 days, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. So we're kind of taking this time in between Easter and then, you know, Pentecost and talking about some of the different appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. And as well, we're going to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. And today I want to get into the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24 is kind of a long passage, but that's okay. We'll get into it. Let the word minister to you. We'll read it through and then we'll go through it again. Luke uh, 24, 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were taking, talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. That had to be a moment. They're walking, two of them, all of a sudden this third person comes up. And it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So we know when Jesus rose again from the dead, he, you know, I wonder what, you know, what kind of shoes was he, what kind of, he had to be just like somebody else. He had to just kind of fit in because, you know, are you, they said to him, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? They stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? They thought he was just another visitor. He had to be dressed just like any other visitor had to speak just, you know, she was risen from the dead. He didn't have this halo around him and walking on the air, but he was just like any other. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here during these days? And he said to them, what things? Here's Jesus. What you guys talking about? What things? And they said to him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and to crucify him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. And moreover, some of the women of our company have amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who went with us, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, Jesus interjects, oh foolish ones. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And as they drew near to the village to which they were going, he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And while he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that this would be a, just a blessing and edification for each and every person, even those watching online as well. I pray that your grace will open up all eyes, God, that we could see you and recognize you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one thing I see in this passage, several things I just want to bring out to you. I know there's more, but just that there, there was a hope that they had, even a hope deferred. You know, when it says, we had hoped that he was going to be the one. And, you know, maybe you've come to Nashville and you've had some, has had some hopes. Like, they, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. People come here to Nashville, I'm going to be discovered. I'm, you know, I'm going to play music, I'm going to be discovered. And you have that hope, and then after three, four, five, eight, ten, twelve years, you realize that that just didn't happen. Or you come here, many people come here from other cities, you've got this hope that things are going to be better, 
You've got this hope that, you know, maybe things in your family, maybe things in your career, your business, you know, but the Bible says in Proverbs 13, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And if we look at the, the historic context of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, they were hoping for a Messiah. They were hoping for this Christ that would come, this the, the word was prophesied that there would be like a leader, like a David, military leader, this Moses that led the people out of Egypt. There was going to be, you know, the Roman Empire was, was there at that time. Who's going to deliver us? Who's going to be this Gideon that's going to save us? And even the people of Israel in their history, they had different cycles of there would be peace and prosperity in the days of Solomon, and then they'd get apathetic, and they'd get into idolatry, and then that idolatry would bring and oppression, and then they'd be taken captive, and then they'd cry out to God again, and God would send a liberator. If you read the book of Judges, there's all these cycles. So the people had this expectation that something was going to happen. You know, the Roman Empire, again, were under oppression. We're, we're being, who's going to deliver us? We were hoping that he would redeem Israel. And some of the passages that I look through, you can see kind of this theme of you know, after Jesus even broke the bread and, and fed the 5,000, John chapter 6, he, he had some bread. And then, and then when the people saw this sign that he had done, this miraculous provision, they said, this is indeed the prophet. This is the Messiah. This is our liberator. This is our deliverer. He's the one that's going to come into the world. And then perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus kind of could sense what was going on in their hearts and he withdrew. He said, no, I'm not that kind of a king. I'm not your genie in a bottle that you can just rub the bottle when you need a, you need a provision and, and I'll be, you know, that's not, that's not what he came in for. So you can see this kind of this expectation and then it's like Jesus steps away from it. And even Matthew 21, what we talk about is the triumphal entry. We call it Palm Sunday. 21.9, and the crowds that went before him and those that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Even that phrase, the son of David, because yes, God had promised to David that one of his offspring would be on a throne forever. The son of David, you know, the blind Bartimaeus, he would cry out and say, son of David, have mercy. The Syrophoenician woman would say, son of David, have mercy. And, and the triumphal entry, everybody's, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And you know what Jesus does? He doesn't go in and, you know, kind of kick Herod off of his throne. He actually goes into the temple and cleans it out and says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And so they have this hope of this liberator, but then Jesus, like, he doesn't fulfill that expectation. And even if you go into the book of Acts, we started in Acts chapter 1, the disciples said, now that you've risen from the dead, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is Israel going to be on top again? You're going to help us? You're going to flip things around? It's about time that we have some, some deliverance from our outer problems. All these external things. It's like we want God to fix everything on the outside. But God wants to fix things on the inside. 
And Jesus' response was, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has sent on his own accord, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. So really, he doesn't answer the question, but yet he does answer the question. Because the way that the Roman Empire was going to be overthrown wasn't through military might. It was through the revelation of love, not a revolution of armed forces. It was something different on the inside. So we, you know, we have this expectation of God. We put our, you know, aren't you going to do something? And Jesus, he kind of steps back and he says, just wait a minute. And if we go back to our main text out of Luke 24, where it's the, the road to Emmaus, that Bible study that he had, it's about seven miles, so it might be a couple hours walking. Could you imagine that couple hours walking with Jesus where he's opening up the scriptures? Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I don't really know which scriptures he might have used. I could propose some. You know, he might have used some of these. He might have used a lot more, a lot other ones. He might, you know, as they're walking, Jesus, you know, let me just, let me just, you remember in the beginning in the creation, Adam and Eve, they fell, they sinned. And you remember God the Father said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. That scripture out of Genesis chapter 3.15. You remember that they didn't have verses in that time. But you, do you remember when God was talking? First he talked to Adam, then to Eve, then to the serpent. And there was going to be this offspring that was going to come. That's me. He might have told these two on the road to Emmaus. You remember Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But then the father had to make garments of skin. That was a sacrifice of an innocent animal. That was the first sacrifice that was pointing to, to me. He could, have, he could have told them that. He could have told them about, do you remember Adam? I mean, do you remember Abraham? When God told Abraham to sacrifice his son and they're walking up the mountain and little Isaac says, well, here's the wood and here's the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, well, God will provide. Do you remember that story? He could have just been conversing with them on that. The two-hour Bible study, could you imagine it? And then Jesus maybe would have said something like, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. God the Father sacrificed me. That ram and the thicket that Abraham found, I was like that. All these things, they were pointing to us. He could have said, Jesus maybe could have said, I don't really know what the Bible study was. I'm just kind of, you know, just it could be. Because when it says he started in Moses and all the prophets, a two-hour Bible study, I might go 20 minutes, maybe. Do you remember the Passover when they were going to come out of Egypt and they had to sacrifice a lamb? That's me, because do you remember John the Baptist introduced me as, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So he's going through all these scriptures. Deuteronomy, you remember when Moses prophesied, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers and put my words into his mouth and speak them and all that. That's me, I'm that prophet. 
That's what Jesus could have said. He maybe told him, you you remember Isaiah, don't you? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive, bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's me. You remember how they used to make fun of me? That's, That's Jesus, the son of Joseph. And they would call me an illegitimate because all that kind of stuff going, well, yeah, my mother was a virgin when I was conceived. You know, he maybe could have. And do you remember the scripture out of, you know, he wouldn't have said Isaiah 9, 6 like I am because they didn't have all those verses and everything. Because, I'm, you know, I am kind of making things, but I'm going back to the scripture. We don't know. He went through Moses, all the prophets. I'm just doing Isaiah. But it points to Jesus. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus could have said, I'm the Wonderful Counselor, I'm sending another one, another Counselor, the Holy Spirit. I'm the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Remember how I told the people before Abraham was, I am, and they wanted to stone me? You remember how I told them I and the Father are one and they wanted to stone me? Well, it's true. Isaiah 9, Prince of Peace, my peace do I give you, not as the world. That would have been quite a Bible study, wouldn't it? Two hours. Or one something some people really have trouble with, Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. See, See these hands pierced for the trans, crushed for our iniquities. Remember on the cross when I cried out, my God, my God, why have you you forsaken me? Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. We might just be praying for the sick in a little bit. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on, Jesus could have said that. He could have said, the Lord laid on me all the sins of the world. That's in Isaiah. Because it says they went through Moses, all the prophets. I'm just giving you just a a wee little bit of what that two-hour Bible study could have been. And you know, when Jesus got to that house, it says something interesting. It says he, he took some bread. He took it. Go back to Luke 24, 30. We got it there on the screen. While he was at the table with him, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and gave it to them. Jesus did something very similar when he broke the bread and the fish, the feeding of the 5,000. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. The Last Supper, he took the bread, he blessed it, And then he broke it and gave it. Jesus himself, in a sense, taken by God, blessed by God in his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In the transfiguration, there was a voice from heaven, the blessing. This is my son. Listen to him. In that kind of a sense. You know, and in a sense, too, I believe that God wants to take you and I And bless us, speak well of us. All those voices that you've been hearing that tell you you're good for nothing, shut those off and begin to hear what God says about you, that you're the head and not the tail. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians. We've been forgiven. We've been, we've been adopted. We've been sealed with the, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've been seated in heavenly places. Bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the blessing. That's what God speaks over us. Some of you looking at me like, man, how does he do that? How does he have all that word? Part of it is because I've had to listen to those voices of accusation, condemnation, and the way we fight it is we fight it with spoken words. Like Pastor Rice says, you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You have to fight thoughts with spoken words. And so we speak the word out. We speak what God says about us. It's not pride because we're in agreement with what he declares about us, that we're a chosen generation, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he has blessed us. He takes us, he blesses us. And this next part might be the part we don't want to hear about, he breaks us. Part of that breaking might be those hopes that have been deferred. We had hoped that he was going to redeem us from our external problems. In their case, the Roman Empire. We had hoped that he was going to redeem us, that he would solve our problems on the outside. But then that, that hope that I had hasn't come to pass. But if we can continue to be faithful and continue to, to praise him in the difficult times, there's a breaking that takes place. There's our outer man is being in a sense, broken away so that the inner man can shine forth so that the light of the gospel. I think of John the Baptist that said, I must decrease so that he can increase. It's that work of sanctification. It's that work of, of breaking our will, of, of causing our will to be molded into his will. You know, it's no longer our kingdom, our desires, but it's, Lord, your kingdom, your desires. Amen. One last thought before us, if we can, we'll spend some time just in, in worship, just worshiping him because he is taking us and blessing us, breaking us for a purpose, that it might be for his glory, that we might be given to others. And I think that when we impose our expectations, I've got this up here, when we impose our expectations on Jesus, we had hoped I had hoped that God would bless me in my plans. You're not going to say it like that. I'm not going to say it like that. But that's kind of what we're thinking. When we impose our expectations on Jesus, he remains invisible. At the beginning, they're walking. They couldn't see him. It's only when we submit to his upside-down kingdom, his plans, his will for our lives, that we can really see him. Amen. If we could worship the Lord a little bit together, Lord, let's just, let's just pray, just close our eyes. Just think about even some of those hopes that have maybe been deferred and maybe you've even, you've even uh, blamed God. Lord, I pray 
God, that there would just be a new sense of your presence, a new sense even of your grace to be upon us, a new understanding of your purposes. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just stand up and just begin to just worship him in your heart? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I do want to just ask the question to provide an opportunity. If anybody needs physical healing, would you raise your hand if you need physical healing? Anybody in here? If you just look around a little bit, the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. In the name of Jesus, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you're close to somebody with their hand up and you want to just lay hands on them and just pray for them, let's just take a moment. Just begin to pray. Just begin to intercede. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We do pray for healing right now, God. I pray for health and healing, Lord Jesus. We lay hands on the sick, even according to your word, oh God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our healer. God, we trust you, even your promises, God, to heal us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the great healer, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing just flowing through this place right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for the great work that you're doing in our lives. Help us, Lord, even to submit ourselves to you. Just take a moment and submit yourself once again to the Lord, to his plans, to his purposes. For my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I do work all things together for good for those who are called according to my plan, according to my purpose. The good that I'm doing, says the Lord, is to shine my light upon you and through you so others can see me. Not that they would see you, but they would see me, says the Lord. I have begun a good work in you and I will bring it to perfection, to completion. Trust me in my work, says the Lord. I am causing all things to work together for my purposes, for the extension of my, my kingdom, not your kingdom.